Kay Carl, Kay Carl's a Republican. Kay Carl's conservative. Wait a minute. I'm more than a Republican. I'm a Frederick Douglass Republican. And I believe in life and power values of Frederick Douglass. Respect for the Constitution, respect for life, the limited power of government, personal responsibility, free speech. When they started going home that night, every single one of them, told them I'm a Frederick Douglass Republican too. <laughs> when the last person left the house, left my door, I leaned back against the door and said, Yeah, and it works! It works! For the first time in my life, I had the ability to drive the narrative, win the narrative, and win hearts and minds. Ah, I want you to have that same empowerment. You are listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. Forge Leadership Network mentors, trains, and connects young conservatives ages 18 to 25, equipping them to lead in politics, culture, and business. For more information or to get involved, visit forgeleadership.org. What I'm going to share with you that is this. If we are serious about defending liberty, the Constitution. If you want to know how to engage your family members and friends and share your conservative values without the fear of being called a racist, we must leverage the life and writings of Frederick Douglass. The left has no answer for him. This engagement strategy has been black barbershop tested. You know what I mean by black barbershop? You go there, they talk about sports, they talk about politics, and if you're not careful, they talk about your mama. So you got to know how to engage. You got to know how to engage. Quick class on Frederick Douglass. Make sure you're on the same sheet of music here. Frederick Douglass born 1818 in the Eastern Shores area of Maryland. The way I like to put it, Frederick Douglass was born below poverty below poverty because he was born into slavery. He was a slave for the first 20 years of his life. Never owned a pair of shoes till age 10, never slept in bed to age 8. He was homeschooled, self-taught. He started his own homeschooling program while he was a slave born on the plantation. He rejected the slave master's common core curriculum, what I'm telling you. <laughs> he was a slave for the first 20 years of his life. Fast forward a little bit. He escaped from slavery at the age of 20. 1838. Frederick Douglass had zero days of formal schooling. Never been to school in his life. He was an advisor to five Republican presidents. Abraham Lincoln, Ulysses S. Grant, James Garfield, Rutherford Hayes, Benjamin Harrison. Most folks don't get a chance to meet one president. This brother was an advisor to five. He wrote three autobiographies and a novel. At that time in history, most, most blacks could not read and write, like 90%. This brother wrote three books. When I read that, I said, I can at least write one. <laughs> he died 1895 at the age of 77. He died of a massive heart attack. At the time of his death, Frederick Douglass had $300,000 in savings back then. Calculate the inflation, that's over $15 million today. This is a brother, he began his life as a sub-zero percenter. 
He was on a plantation for 20 years getting that free stuff. I can make the case he was a 47%. He died a 1%. So his life is inspiring. When I go around the country and I talk to uh, inner city youth about success and let them know that success is not a secret, success is a system. And I share with Frederick Douglass, they quickly understand and get it that they cannot out-victimize Frederick Douglass. All the excuses go away. That's his life. But his writings, what I want to share with you and touch on a few things, his writings are important. Because when Frederick Douglass writes, of course, he writes with a former slave perspective. What you see at the bottom are some of the things that we're dealing with today in this country. Douglass not only wrote about, he lived it. Economic prosperity. Douglas had one of my most popular speeches called self made Men, where he lays out his philosophy for success. Douglas believed and embraced economic prosperity. He had $300,000 in savings. Free speech. We hear about how the, how the tyrants or the left is trying to limit free speech on college campuses. Douglas gave a speech in Boston called Free speech for uh, the plea for free speech in Boston, Douglas said, tyrants cannot tolerate free speech because they know the power of it. The next one there, the Constitution. Douglas said this on one occasion. He said, the Constitution reads, We the people. Is the, it does not read, We the white people, Douglas said. He concluded by saying, if black folks are considered to be people, then they should be benefactors of the Constitution. Douglas concluded by saying, the problem is not with the Constitution. The problem is in the application of the Constitution. The problem is not with the Bible. The problem is in how the Bible is applied. So thank God we have a literary legacy of the writings of Frederick Douglass to defeat the false rhetoric of the left and defeat their propaganda propaganda attacks. Doug is the only patriotic icon that I know where when you incorporate Frederick Douglass into your pattern and your speech and your talk and your messages, it absolutely trumps the race card. You can't call Douglas a racist. He was a victim of racism. They say the founding fathers owned slaves. So when when the founding fathers talks about liberty and constitution, they're tainted because some of them some of them did own slaves, but Douglas didn't own any slaves. But yet he writes with the same the passion and um, the view of, of liberty, natural law, immigration. Frederick Douglass wrote about immigration. We're dealing with that today. 1868, Douglass was asked to comment on Chinese immigration because the Chinese being brought to work on the railroad. In a speech entitled Our, Our Composite Nationality, Douglas said, for humanity reasons, let them come. This is the greatest country in the history of the world where you can improve your quality of life. You can rise from rags and riches. In that same speech, Douglas said, there's a process. He said, number one, they must bow to the same law. Bow is a form of respect, respect of the law. It's not a Tea Party activist talking, this is Frederick Douglass talking. Then Douglas said, number two, they must learn to speak English. Douglas believed in assimilation. And number three, he said, they must understand the first duty of citizenship. The first duty of citizenship is to obey the law and understand the value and the significance of our Constitution. Frederick Douglass. 
The left has no answer for him. If we're true to preserving liberty, we start leveraging Frederick Douglass and John Tong and our message, the left, they got to go back to France or start jumping out of windows. They're not going to be here too long. <laughs> they have no answer for this guy. Religious freedom, of course, and the last one there, I'm going to show you something here. I'm not here to talk politics, but I want to show you some things how the left are truly tyrants. If we don't get our, if we don't start winning the propaganda battle, it's toast for us. We don't have a message problem, it's a messaging problem. We gotta understand as conservatives, before we get a chance to speak, we have already been discredited. Because the left, they're good at propaganda, negative attacks, always throwing something against the wall. Demonizing us before we get a chance to speak. This is the Democrat Party's website, their current website. Now, I'm going to show you something. You tell me what you think is wrong with it. This is their art history page. Take a look at the first 14 words under art history. Let me read it to you. For more than 200 years, our party has led the fight for civil rights. Anybody got a problem with that? <laughs> Let me read that to you one more time so you think I'm saying something silly. For more than 200 years, our party has led the fight for civil rights. That's a lie, isn't it? You talk about rewriting history? That's it. So think about it now. If you don't know the truth, you can't recognize a lie. That's what they're counting it on. Ah, let's bring Frederick Douglass into play now. 200 years ago was 1818. Slavery was alive and well in 1818. Douglass was born in 1818. 1853, Douglas gives a speech called the Slavery Party. He said this, and I quote, the best representation of slavery in politics is the Democrat, Democratic Party. Wow. Once we learn how to win the narrative, and once we start incorporating Frederick Douglass into our talks, as we talk to people, you can change hearts, minds, lives, and votes. Some of the most conservative votes you will ever meet in your life are blacks and Latinos. We're not voting that way, but in terms of traditional values, what's going on? Well, here's the thing. The platform of the Republican Party has never changed. And some of the Dixiecrats did become Republicans. But most of the Dixiecrats stayed Democrats. Here's how you respond to that. Racism has no political face. Racism has no political face. And here's what I get him on this one. You have to grow where God plants you. If God plants you in the Democrat Party, you'd be, you be a light in darkness. Don't just go along and get along. You have to grow where God plants you. And I always give him this quote. It's been apt to. It's a quote from Robert Brown Elliott. When I go to um, black churches end up in WCP meetings and speak. And uh, always end with this quote. It's a quote from Robert Brown Elliott. During Reconstruction, the first seven blacks to serve in the U.S. Congress were black Republicans. One of them was a gentleman by the name of Robert Brown Elliott. Here's his quote. He said, I am a slave to principles. He meant Christian principles. I call no party master. I'm a slave to Christian principles. 
I don't call the Democrat Party or the Republican Party my master. I'm going to vote my values. You follow me? You have to grow where God plants you. We have to learn how to articulate the message. Let me give you a word of hope. Through the ministry of the Apostle Paul, God has given us the answer on how to do diversity outreach. Think about it. The Apostle Paul was called and commissioned by God to take the gospel to the Gentiles. Those of us who are Gentiles, we are the benefactors of the Apostle Paul's outreach strategy. I'm here to tell you the Apostle Paul was, a, was an outreach or was a diversity engagement expert. As you recall now, the Apostle Paul, by occupation, he was an attorney and he was a tent maker. God called the Apostle Paul and commissioned him to establish a big tent. Big tent is a metaphoric expression for diversity outreach. We say it all the time as conservatives. We got to have a what? A big tent. That's why in 1 Corinthians 9.22, the Apostle Paul says this. I have become all things to all people. What he's saying is, I knew how to craft my message so I can deliver it to a wide range of people. You look at some other translation, the Apostle Paul said, I entered their world and I experienced life in their viewpoint. So if you enter my world as an African American and experience life in my viewpoint, you're going to quickly discover that the word conservative is not the language of liberty. It is the language of oppression. When you use that word, the wall goes up. It's not that we disagree with you, we're going to shut you down. you got to understand that. That's another time. So for another time. But we need to... So what we've been doing the past 10 years, I've been traveling the country preaching to the choir, the conservative choir, and teaching the conservative choir how to go out and get new choir members. But give you a different song to sing, because the song we sing, it ain't working. And it's called the Frederick Douglass Republican Melody. Frederick Douglass is the answer. He's the answer. I wrote this book. I'm not here to hawk the book, but I'm going to share with you what works. This book is not a dissertation on the political views of Douglas. It is a conservative action handbook. It gives you information you need so you can engage. For example, when you engage, one thing we teach is if you go to a potential antagonistic audience like the NWCP meeting, I've been to many of them, you don't go in there and talk about conservative values. Ah, we could call them life empowering values. You follow me? Speak their language of liberty. So we identify, there's, there are several life empowering values of Douglas, respect for the Constitution, respect for life, limited power of government. Now, listen to me now. Conservatives like to say limited government. Ah, what the left does, they turn it around. Limited government, oh, you want to take away people's entitlements. The limited power of government, what we're talking about. Okay, limited power of government. This is a God-given message. I did not come up with this. I feel like out of 350 people, 350 million people in the United States, I won the lottery. And God has given me the responsibility to travel across this country and empower liberty advocates, friends of freedom, how to engage. 
where you can engage anyone regarding your conservative values and you don't have the fear of somebody calling you a sellout, a racist, an awful tall. You have to cloak yourself with Frederick Douglass. You know how I know the strategy works? When you can get your parents to change how they vote, how they think, you know you got a persuasive message. I grew up in a staunch, I grew up in a staunch Democrat home. Staunch Democrat home. My dad's retired from NASA now. He has a lapel button and he wears, he goes to flea markets every day. That's all he does, go flea markets every day. Bring all this up home. And, drive my mom nuts. <laughs> and he has, he has a button that he wears. He says, Frederick Douglass Republican. In lieu of saying conservative. I know what your question is. Can't call, that's great. But can a white person use it? It works, it's more effective when you use it versus when I use it. Let me tell you why. Through the media, what we hear all the time, white conservatives are racist. They're racist, racist, racist. They have no redemptive quality in their life. If they're liberal, they're pure and pristine and can't sin. But if you're racist, there's no help for you. So if that's the case, if you carefully study and show yourself approved, and you get K. Carl's book, and you learn how to engage when you say that I'm a Frederick Doug's Republican and I hold him in high esteem, you don't expect a racist to say that. So this is not some cheap magician's trick. This really got to come from the heart. This is evangelism. That's what it is. Douglas is the answer. We can't save America. We can't make America great without Frederick Douglass. Remember now, the United States was more divided during the Civil War than it is now. And Douglas was an advisor to Abraham Lincoln on the whole issue. Why does the word conservative have a, uh, why does it have a racist connotation in the black community? You ever wonder about that? I gotta tell you, I gotta give to you. Give me about one minute on this. 1964, July 2nd, LBJ signed the civil rights legislation to law, correct? Your staunch racist Democrats filibustered, voted against it, correct? There was a certain Republican senator who also voted against it, not because he was a racist, he voted against it based on constitutional grounds. He got the opinion of a guy, a, a Yale University professor, a guy named Robert Bork. So Barry Goldwater voted against the civil rights legislation, legislation 64, not because he was a racist. Matter of fact, Goldwater was an integrationist. Goldwater, when he inherited his family's department store, he hired black cashiers and went around Phoenix, Arizona, encouraging other business owners to do likewise. Gary Goldwater, he's the one who integrated the city cafeteria in 1953. In 1948, he started the Arizona Air National Guard as an integrated unit. So he was not a racist, he was an integrationist, but with his no vote, he sided with the racist. You follow me? I'm gonna connect two dots here. What was Barry Goldwater's nickname? His nickname was Mr. Conservative. What was the title of the book he wrote in 1960? The Conscience of a Conservative. So the party of emancipation, the party of Lincoln, selected a guy to run as a presidential candidate who sided with the racist Dixiecrats with his no vote. When that happened, the word Republican Party, the word conservative, started becoming ingrained in the black community to mean racist. 
Many of my family members were Republicans until 64. Republican Party don't want us. Democrat Party is worse. What are we going to do? So blacks became Democrats not because entitlements and food stamps. Blacks became Democrats because they were purged from the Republican Party. Go back and read what happened at the convention in 64 at the Cow Palace in San Francisco. The Apostle Paul said, I entered their world and I experienced life from their viewpoint. That's how he knew how to craft this message. So if you go to an NWCP meeting, if you get invited to a black church, and you let, get up there and say, I'm a Tea Party conservative. Well, I'm a Reagan conservative. I'm a black conservative. I'm a Christian conservative. You might as well drop that last word conservative because of a black racist. But that's what they hear. You're a Reagan conservative. You're a Reagan racist. You're a Tea Party conservative. Well, you're a Constitution conservative. Now you're a racist racist. <laughs> We're losing the propaganda battle. I want you, when it comes to engaging the black community, I want you to think out of the box. I have pulled my hair out engaging Republican conservative political operatives about the black vote. Many operatives will tell you when it comes to the black vote, don't go, you can't get it. Matter of fact, they give you a quote for Barry Goldwater. Barry Goldwater said on one occasion, you gotta hunt where the ducks are. My thing is, why are you hunting for ducks? You should be a fisher of men. And, and the thinking is this, when it comes to the primary, you gotta go focus on your base, don't worry about the black vote. That's what they, they just focus on your base, don't worry about the black vote. We're gonna get the black vote in the general election. How has that been working for you? You have to go after your base, but you got to go to the black community and plant the seed. And hopefully you have something to harvest in the general election. Write this word down, it's called Turkey Republicans, Turkey Conservatives. That's the term in the black community. A Turkey Republican, a Turkey Conservatives are those candidates who don't bother to go in the black community during the primary. They won't wait till around Thanksgiving time when the general election comes around and think they're going to get the black vote. You'll never get it. Black votes are not stupid. But the way you do it year round, you got, we got to know how to guard ourselves against the pushback. You got to know how to inoculate yourself with Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass is your hood pass. <laughs> and it trumps the race card, pun intended. How will the left turn it around? You see, Frederick's Republican, uh, they probably say, well, no, Frederick Douglass, what they say is this, oh, if Frederick Douglass was alive today, he would be a uh, Democrat, not a Republican. Here's how you respond to that. Frederick Douglass has this quote. He said, quote, I am a Republican, a black die in the wool Republican, and I never intend to belong to any other party than the party of freedom progress. That's Douglas's quote. He said that. So let's don't put words in Douglas's mouth. Now, they say the, they say the Democrat Party's improved. Well, it, I don't care how much the Democrat Party's improved. I don't care how much the KKK improved. I'm not gonna join the KKK. <laughs> Democrat Party started the KKK. Why would Douglas join a political party that put him in slavery? Why would you join the Nazi party? You follow me? That's the pushback we get. And believe me, 
I think I've got all pushback there is, but there's some you may be getting on these college campuses or any with your friends. We're going to deal with that and give you the answer from a Frederick Douglass perspective. Absolutely bone crush. All right, hello everyone. Welcome back to the Forge Leadership Network podcast. Just got done listening to an incredible session from Kay Carl Smith, President and CEO of Liberty Messenger USA. Wow, what what an incredible message! Can you dive into that? What's the what what do you hope students took away from from your, your session in there? The the big picture is this: that we must incorporate the writings and the life of Frederick Douglass into our conservative message hmm. in order to number one trump the race card, pun intended, hmm. but also in order to make our message resonate where people will listen. And, uh, and one thing that whole Frederick Douglass piece does, when you really do it and you're sincere about it, it helps you to build trust and credibility. Hmm. And then people will listen hmm. to a person they have trust and they feel is credible. Hmm. And, and we, where we do that is by leveraging Douglass. Yeah. in life. Yeah. What is, what is some of the, I know you talked about it in your session a little bit, what's some of the one or two key things that he's kind of the concepts from Frederick Douglass, Frederick Douglass at work, if we're talking to people and saying, I'm a Frederick Douglass Republican, what's, what's the concepts we use to explain that? Um, the, the concepts is to understand what we call the life-empowering values of Frederick Douglass, mm-hmm. which are, for example, respect for the Constitution, uh, the limited power of government, uh, economic prosperity, mm-hmm. the whole idea of valuing the importance of free speech and religious liberty. These are things that Douglass not only wrote about, but he lived it. And so when we get a chance to really study the life and writings of Frederick Douglass and we bring them to our knowledge into our conservative toolkit, hmm. then we can turn this nation right side up in one or two election cycles. Hmm. Hmm. How did you get into this message? How long have you been doing it? What, what was the path that brought you here? Yeah, I've been doing it for 10 years. And it really, as I pointed out in my presentation, it was – Necessity is the mother, the mother of invention. I just got sick and tired of being called a racist. Obviously, mm-hmm. an Uncle Tom and sat out, and mm-hmm. I'm not one, and want to know what's a, a better way of, of me to articulate my values, articulate my, my thinking on the Constitution, the founders, these things that we, that we embrace. Mm-hmm. Then God just pricked my spirit. In yeah. that it was an aha moment when uh, I started reading Douglas's writings. I said, mm-hmm. wait a minute, this is a slave saying this. And think about it, how can you argue with a runaway slave mm-hmm. <laughs> about yeah. his love for liberty? Yeah. The left has no answer for it, absolutely mm-hmm. none. none. Yeah, that's good. So one of the questions I ask you, because we've got a big line of students sure. here who want to who talk to, to Kay Carl, you spent some time in, in the military, you've yeah. done a lot of different things in your life. What's some of the key lessons that we as Forge students should remember as we seek to go out and and, and seek our path? From a personal standpoint, know what your God-given gifts and talents are. Hmm. And once you discover your purpose in life and your passion, take that purpose, your passion, take your obsession, and make it a profession to help better our, our, our nation and our country improve people's lives. Thank you for listening to the Forge Leadership Podcast. If you liked the show, please drop a review in your podcast app and be sure to subscribe for all our latest episodes. You can follow Forge Leadership Network at Forge Leadership on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about Forge programming, 
please visit forgeleadership.org.